You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning and welcome to Chapel. And thank you everyone that is a part of leading worship today. Uh, Thank you, Dr. Stevens, and thank you, Ethan, for reading our scriptures. My heart is overcome by the goodness of God, yet once again. And as we began worship this morning, I was reminded of a story that happened back in 1998. I had felt that I had a call to preach and teach. Not aware of how that call was going to come to fruition, I just kept living life. You see, in 97, I had the opportunity to travel from India to the United States for the very first time. And it was as a result of that opportunity that I was made aware of all of the education opportunities in the United States for seminaries. But little did I have in my heart at the time the plan or the desire to come and study in the United States. The story that I'm about to share with you is a contextual piece of God's love and God's grace for each one of us. So to come to the United States, for those of you who live overseas, and for those of you in the United States that have to travel overseas, we must apply for a visa. It's a pretty extensive process, very daunting for those that have never climbed the steps of an embassy, let alone needing to enter the embassy all on your own as a young child. And I say young because I was really young. I had never traveled anywhere in my own country. And so I walk up the steps of the United States Embassy in Mumbai, India, and go to the counter when my number was called. And my first experience at the embassy was one of rejection. The papers were turned in through the glass, and there was a big mark across the papers that said rejected. I was surprised that I had the courage to talk to the consulate officer and say, Could you please explain why? There was no reason given, but a document was attached, and I was sent home. I came out weeping, thinking that I had heard God's call all wrong, that I had made a severe mistake. And so I went home weeping to be found by my dad, who said to me, let's try again. I looked at my dad, and I said, are you kidding me? I was already rejected once, I'm not going back. Well, if you all get the good fortune of meeting my dad, you will know that he is someone who never gives up. But more important, that he always trusts God to do good in each of our lives. So I went back a second time. The officer looked at my paper, and it came back rejected. I was so confused at this point because I had no clue why the documents were getting rejected because I had provided every single piece of paper. And mind you, if you don't know much about the process yet, please learn because it is extensive. 
And so I go home thoroughly disappointed, thinking I have really made a mistake. I don't know what God is asking of me. Now, mind you, between the times that you go back to the embassy, a certain amount of time has to pass. So you can't just keep showing up every week and every day. And so I had the deadline of needing to make the admissions process on my back, rejection in front of me, and whatever little faith I had to try a third time. I walked in, went to the window, and to my surprise, I look at the person that was standing in front of me, the consulate officer, was someone I had not seen before in that embassy. Within a few minutes of conversation, the officer said to me, here is your visa. I wish you the very best to go and study at Asbury Seminary. I was so confused for a whole different reason because I thought to myself, how can this consulate officer know about Asbury Seminary? Hold that story in the back of your minds, if you will, as we traverse through the words that were read for us this morning. In Luke 15, verses 3 to 7, Jesus is in the middle of proclaiming that which he was sent for, the good news. And you and I have heard this good news not once, but a hundred times, as our worship leader said this morning, that we hear this good news a hundred times, and yet we come again to hear it afresh. In John 3.16, we hear these words that the good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And what is of more significant consequence are the words that come after John 3.16, as found in verse 17, it says that God sent his son not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. How often do we live because of our experience with a sense that we are condemned? And the reality that stands in our face this morning is that God sent his son not to condemn the world, but to save the world. This may feel inconsequential for you today if you are content with life as is. But it has great implications for those who are dissatisfied and disturbed with how life is for you this morning. It is of great significance if you are dissatisfied and disturbed with life and are looking desperately to find yourselves and are wanting to be found, to be saved. And the truth, as simple as it is, and yet the hardest, is that God has sent his son, Jesus Christ, for you and for me. Let that enter your hearts and minds this morning in a new way. Would you be willing to ask yourselves, am I open to God's grace? 
The scene in Luke 15 is made up of quite the mix of people. The author tells us that there are tax collectors, there are sinners, there are Pharisees, there are scribes, and there are the disciples. Before we go any further, I want to invite you to consider who do you see yourself as in this crowd that is gathered around Jesus? Do you see yourself as the tax collector? Do you see yourself as a sinner? Do you see yourself as the Pharisee or the scribe? Or do you see yourself as the disciple? I hope you will do the work of locating who you see yourself as this morning. Jesus, while speaking to all alike, is driving home a point, and the point is that Jesus has come to save the world. Jesus has come for those who are lost in sin for the sake of one. The messages that we receive in our world today does not tell us about this redemption. It doesn't tell us that there is hope, but it tells us what we are not and what we don't have. The Pharisees and the scribes are grumbling and murmuring and saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Have you ever been witness to that or done that yourself? Where you have looked down on someone and have not wanted to associate yourself with them because for some reason or another, they did not belong or were not of your type or kind. And so dutifully, the Pharisees and the scribes are murmuring and upset with Jesus for spending time with the sinners, the marginalized, the ostracized, the abandoned. In this parable, Jesus likens the unholy, the sinners, the ostracized, the marginalized, and the abandoned people to the lost sheep that is described in this parable. Upon hearing the murmuring of the Pharisees and the scribes, Jesus proceeds to explain. A man has hundred sheep, and if he loses one of them, Jesus says that the man will go in search of the sheep until he finds it. Not only is the man going to leave the 99 sheep and go after the one that is lost, but the man, when the sheep is found, puts, his on, puts it on his shoulders. And not only does he care for the sheep that has been traumatized by being separated from the crowd, from his kin, if you would. But when the man who has found this lost sheep puts it on his shoulders, he comes home rejoicing. And not just rejoicing, but he calls his friends and neighbors and says, that which was lost has been found. And he invites his neighbors and friends to come and rejoice with him. 
This parable that Jesus is using to speak to the people highlights our human condition and God's response to our condition. You see, you and I are the lost sheep. And I don't have to tell you the reasons why you and I are lost, but we know that we are lost. It may not be a literal loss of losing your sense of direction, but being lost can feel different on the inside. It can feel like you are not valued. It can feel like you are of no significance because of, and you can fill in the blanks. We are the lost sheep, but the reality and the good news is that God has sent his son Jesus for us. We are not without hope. And how often have we heard this? We are not without hope, but I, but I pray that we realize today that we are truly not a people without hope when we sit under the instruction of God's word. We have a Savior who has laid down his life for us and he has paid the cost so that we may be redeemed, saved from sin to eternal life. I am confident you know how much freedom costs when you have to pay the price. We don't realize the value until we have come to the point where we have to pay the price for our freedom, for our salvation. So you see that God sent his son to save you, to save me. And then the scripture goes on to say that there is great rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Paul says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Oftentimes we don't consider ourselves as sinners because we have done no wrong. We have committed no crime that warrants justice. We live so hard to not make a mistake or to do no wrong. But in Romans 5.12, Paul goes on to say, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, referring to Adam, and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all have sinned. Dr. Tom McCall addressed this in his messages last week in numerous different ways, but the one way he put it is our sin hurts other people. Our wrong hurts someone else. We may not realize it in the moment because we are so consumed by its implications for ourselves. Jesus is speaking to both the righteous and the sinners in this parable. Isn't that good news? So wherever you fall on the spectrum, Jesus is speaking to you. 
To the righteous, he says, will you not go and look for those who are lost? Oftentimes, our righteous attitude makes us feel like we have arrived and we have no responsibility. But the responsibility of the righteous is to go and share the good news of what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. And to the sinner, he says, for such I have come. For such. The ostracized, the marginalized, the abandoned, the disregarded. For such I have come. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Dear students, what if you are the one? What if it is for your sake that there is yet another opportunity today to hear God's word? What if you are the one? that Jesus came for. Even for you, Christ has come, who see not themselves as worthy. And you may have good reason to not see yourself as worthy, but be reminded today, as we begin this week, that God does not see us to condemn us. He sees us so that we can be saved and restored to eternal life. In Acts chapter 26, verse 18, and I would encourage you to read this chapter at a later time, here Paul is giving a defense of his faith. A Jew of a first-class grade, someone who's lived a life to the T, followed every law, and has guarded the Scriptures with zeal that anybody who blasphemies the word of God, he went after them. Even this Paul, as found in Acts 26, 18, says that he became the proclaimer of this gospel so that he may be able to open the eyes, that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and have a place among those who are sanctified by faith in Jesus Christ. So Jesus has come for all. Jesus has come for the sake of one. I want to close with these words from an early church father, Origen, who says about us trying to understand God's nature because it is so complex that we will never fully fathom, even if we tried. Hear these words. This is what, what Origen says, that due to participation with material things, our minds are dull in their attempts to understand spiritual things. Although our understanding hardly compares to a spark or a lamp, however, among all intelligent spiritual beings, God is superior to all others. 
so unspeakably and incalculably superior, even the purest and the brightest human understanding cannot comprehend his nature. For the sake of one, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to demonstrate for us that God's love is without measure. Will you receive this morning the opportunity to just reflect on this for a couple minutes and apply these messages that we receive every day in this chapel, maybe not every day, but every three days of the week? I hope that it will grab a hold of someone's heart today. I hope that it will speak to you as you go through your mind measuring your unworthiness, I hope that God's word that tells us that he does not condemn but he comes to save, I hope that it will pierce the unworthiness that you measure yourself by. Let us pray. Gracious, holy God, thank you for your holy word. May it become for us life indeed so that the chains that bind us, that continue to linger with us, that the power of those chains will break and we will indeed be saved and we will be free from the burdens of that which holds us back. God, thank you for having this incredible plan for each one of us. The plan of restoring us through forgiveness and repentance to life eternal. Lord, will you receive our collective worship today? Will you receive our collective prayers? And yet, will you receive our individual prayers that we plead with you to have mercy on us. May the truth that you came for the sake of one reach us today. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we pray.